welcome to those who are actually sitting here in person and to those who are listening in the comfort of their own homes or even in their own beds. Uh, sit back and listen because we're still on the mountain. We're still on the mountain. And I'm glad to be here today because I didn't think I'd make it. Yesterday I was at the airport in Sydney and uh, if you followed the news, it was pretty rough. And I thought, what will I do if I can't get here? <laughs> um, there were notes here, so I thought someone could just read them. But anyhow, I'm here. I'm great, glad. I've been to Sydney twice this year for two weeks, and both times it's rained every day. So rejoice and be glad for Tasmania. What a place. Very good. So we're still on the mountain. Now, I don't know about you, but if someone says, don't do it, Everything in me wants to do it. Mums, you know what you mean? Yeah, you're with that? You're with that. There's something like a little child still in me, I think. It says, wet paint, do not touch. And what do I want to do? If it didn't say don't touch, I'd probably believe it. But never mind. So today we're looking at the fact that Jesus continues to raise the standards. Or I like to say... Jesus continues to lower the standards, taking them from the outside to the inside, okay? Putting them in the heart. And I'm looking today at four do's and do nots. So stay with us. Last week, Danny talked about six of the you have heard from the prescriptive teaching of the scribes and the Pharisees who manipulated scripture a little bit to, but I say to you, live from the inside out. We've talked about the kingdom, kingdom values. We've talked about Jesus sitting there on the mountain teaching. And I want to reiterate what was said right in the very first message. This teaching of Jesus is for Jesus' followers who are in the kingdom and their standards for us to live now. Not in the future, not someday, but today and tomorrow. So these do's and do nots are for us now. Now. Uh, so we're going to go on to look about the first one. I'm going to briefly look at the do-nots, but I'm going to have a section on what on earth are we supposed to do. The first one says, it's all about where you store your treasure. It's all about where you store your treasure. Now, when I was at Bible College about 50 years ago, a friend and I used to walk the block, and we tried to memorise some scriptures. And, of course, we had the older version of the Bible, now, you listen to this. It says, Don't store, do not store for yourselves treasure in, on the earth where moth and dust doth corrupt. That's what it said. Now, you try and say that. Where moth and dust doth corrupt. So, I'm saying it. That's pretty hard, isn't it? So, fortunately, we know today we say we're moths and vermin and thieves come in. So, we've got rid of the dust and the moth. Pretty hard. Anyhow, that's how we learnt it. But don't store up treasure on earth. Have a look at this cartoon on the screen here. 
This will be yours one day. Help. I actually saw one that was a little bit worse than that. That a man opened his garage and it was full of his junk. And he looked at his son and he said, this will be yours all one day. Treasure. Treasure. Well, I just want to stay here, stay here for a, a, a little bit and say that this is about where our hearts are. And what is treasure? Treasure is what brings us limited joy or joy. When I say limited, if it is of this world, it brings a pleasure, but then it says, I've got to have more. And I start to accumulate because one of is not enough. So I've got to collect and collect and collect. And then when the demise of that person happens, the relatives think, what will we do? And there's sentiment attached. And there's nostalgia and there's memory. And it becomes very confused. So treasure is the accumulation of what brings us joy. Okay? And we are encouraged to store up treasure in heaven. So what is to bring us joy? It's that which will last for the individual beyond the grave. Have you got that? Can't take it with me. So the joy has to be something that lasts into life after my demise or death. If you enjoy being with your family now and it brings you great pleasure, what do you want in the future? Every one of those to be with you in the future, life after death, in eternity. So your focus is on prayer, praying for them, being with them, encouraging them. That's just one little example. Friends, being with your friends, you want to be with them in the future. So you're sharing, you're enjoying, taking it into the future. The values of the kingdom become our treasure. And it's something that's in our heart. That which brings me joy now and remains into life after. The accumulation of joy. And then the verse goes on to say that don't serve God and mammon. There's only room for one God in our lives. There's only room for one. There was a rich friend ruler that came to Jesus and he wanted to follow Jesus. He wanted to follow the kingdom. And he looked at Jesus and he said, I've kept all the commandments, I've kept them. And Jesus said, one thing you lack. And it's often that one thing that is our priority, our focus, and causes us to stumble so that we lose that concentration, that focus on that one God. Jesus. So all of our coming and our going and our eating and sleeping, that which we looked at in uh, January from Romans 12, everything is to bring that focus and worship of God. We seek him and his kingdom. So that's the first, don't store up treasure. The second is simply trust God as your creator and sustainer. That's the second thing here. And this is about not worrying, not worrying. He says, don't worry about your life. Don't worry. 
This is not about being lazy or careless or shirking. Some of us need to learn more about trust and to be careful. Some need to learn to be more concerned in the proper way, but not anxious. No, it's not an easy fix for mental illness nor a place for us to judge others. But I go back to what Danny said last week. So passionately and so powerfully, Jesus, Jesus alone and our concentration on him is the answer to my every single need. Jesus, Jesus. And so again, this section about not worrying is about priorities. It's about focus. It's about attention. It's about the one who's the creator, the sustainer, and the owner of this world and all that is in it. It's not about our everyday, ordinary life being consumed by anxiety. It's about our everyday, ordinary life being presented to God. We, are, we who are in the kingdom need to look at these things. Constantly ask ourselves, how can I see life differently? How can I live with different attitudes of love and trust and not being pulled down with what is going on in this world? How can I be different with my attitude of love and trust when I see the person so that I don't judge, so that I can be as Jesus, to see life differently, to live with different attitude, and to have a loving action towards that person. How would your life be different? How would our city be different if we lived just like that? Or as the golden rule says, as the climax of this section of Jesus' teaching says, what would happen if I really treated others as I would like them to treat me? Do to others as you would they should do to you. So the third little do not is about not judging. Do not judge or you'll be judged. For in the same way that you judge others, you'll be judged. Here is the verse in a little comic. When we see a speck of sawdust in the eye of another and we've got a plank in our own eye. How can you say to your brother, let me get that little bit of sawdust out when I've got the great big plank in mine? So what is this verse really saying? It's saying positively, treat others as Jesus treats you. It's about loving your neighbor. And it's not putting yourself in God's position to judge. When we start to judge others, we are taking the place of God. Don't judge, lest you be judged. We're invited to do to others as we would want them to do to us, to see differently, to love differently, and to love our neighbor, to offer forgiveness, kindness, humility, 
and mercy. The judging that God condemns is when we are not acting lovingly towards our neighbours. Remember the summary of the law? This goes back to those who were at camp and probably didn't hear this one when we talked about Jesus saying he fulfilled the law. And the fulfillment of the law, Paul says, is when we learn to love God with all our heart, mind, soul and strength and when we learn to love others. This is the summary of the law. Says Jesus, says Paul, says God. And so Judging is not part of this loving. And the fourth little don't is says, don't throw your what's sacred or what is precious or your pearls to pigs or dogs. And this one has caused lots of controversy over the years. What on earth does it mean? Um, I'm not really going to give a great exegesis on it here except to say that the life of Jesus on earth is not yet complete. He has not yet been to the cross. He has not yet died. He has not yet risen. And he has not yet ascended to the Father and exalted and living at the, in authority as King of Kings. So at the moment, he's fulfilling the prophecies. He says, here I am, Jesus. Jesus, I'm the one you're looking for. I'm your King. I'm your Messiah. I'm the one promised. I am the one. And he came unto his own says John, and they rejected him. So he's saying, be careful with what you're hearing and passing on now, because a lot of your people, the Jewish people, really don't understand, let alone those who have no idea about the messianic prophecies, about the older part of the Bible, about what and who I am. It's just still something that you treasure in your heart, and one day... It will be for all nations everywhere. You see, Jesus is fulfilling what the people of God in the older part of the Bible failed to do. They failed to be light and love and gentleness and hope for the people outside of their own race. And so at the moment, he's saying, I'm fulfilling all these promises for you, children of God the Israelites, the Jewish nation. And one day, you'll be able to take that treasure and take it to the world. Okay, so that's just briefly, don't, don't, don't. So I want to know, what is the main do in this section? I want to confess that I find do's just as hard as do-nots. Is that true for you? Do's. And it takes a lot of humility to listen to the do's. But I want to see it summed up in this verse from this whole section of the do nots. Matthew 6, verse 33. Seek first his kingdom, his righteousness, and all these things will be given to you as well. You want to read that one with me? Seek first his kingdom and his righteousness, and all these things will be given to you as well. A little bit about seeking first, that's your priority. That's your main thing in life. That's your emphasis. That's your goal. So Jesus' strategy for his disciples is basically a strategy of priorities. Living well in the kingdom of God and on earth is a, kingdom, is a 
uh, strategy about priorities. To pursue God's kingdom and his righteousness. And we ask the question, is that the same thing? We've had some teaching on God's kingdom and just simply, simply, kingdom focuses on the story of the king. The story of Jesus and his reign. Kingdom, in brief, is the rule and reign of Jesus as king over everything. Over everything. So it's like the realm. It's the story of Israel's hope from Genesis through to where Jesus is right now. We know that it's from Genesis to Revelation. They didn't have that at that stage. And the reign of Jesus takes place in our lives and in our society when we, as the people of God, as the children of God, live out the kingdom values in society. And so when we live out God's redemptive work in the workplace, in our home, in the street, in our society, that is the kingdom of God at work, the reign of God. It's about his values. And so the kingdom unfolds for us in the story of Jesus. And the story of Jesus continues because Jesus promises that he will live within us. It's life, death, resurrection. We just celebrated that in communion. Jesus lives, and he lives within those who enter the story of Jesus through repentance and faith, and we come into that reality. When we say, I cannot do life without you, you are the king, you are the one, that needs to control my life. I can't do it. Repentance. I only muck up. I only mess it about. I try. I'm anxious. I don't. I fail. And as I come with repentance and faith that Jesus is king and the king can live within me, so the kingdom of God, the rule of God, enters my life. So that's the kingdom of God. And at that time, we get that later in the next series we'll be doing, we are declared children of God, children of the kingdom, or righteous. We are declared righteous, made right with God. But then we are invited to live out and act that righteousness. So righteousness actually focuses on focuses on the ethics of the kingdom, the values, the behaviours. Righteousness describes God's will, God's way, which is just, merciful, and right. And those who are called to do his will are called righteous. And it's about us doing right. And it's about behavioural conformity to the will of God, about God's ways and God's values being lived out through me. The kingdom focuses on the story of the king and his reign in my life, your life, in this world and the world to come. Righteousness focuses on 
how we live in this kingdom, the ethics of that kingdom. You got it? You got it? The disciple is to seek and to pursue this, to focus on, aim for, make it the life goal. It's what Jesus' followers are expected to do. Jesus' followers are expected to follow Jesus and let Jesus live in them. Simple. So you plot, plan, aim, focus on the kingdom and his righteousness. But how on earth do I seek? Seek first the kingdom of God. How do I seek? Well, I want you to establish a vision of your treasure. Where is your treasure? What will bring you joy in this life and in the life to come? If you focus on that vision, that will give you the motivation and the goal, okay? If you don't have that, it's really, really hard to know what do I want to live with me after my death and I am with my God. What brings me joy now into life eternal? So you got that? Have that vision. Go home today and write it down. What's my vision? And who do I want to share that vision with? Secondly, we need total immersion into the story of Jesus to keep knowing it's about Jesus, 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 from Genesis to Revelation. I keep reading the story. I keep immersing myself into the story. I keep going into the story saying, Jesus, how do I live this out? And that leads to this third point. By immersing myself into the story, I can intentionally follow Jesus. I can intentionally be called a follower of Jesus. No, I don't have to wear sandals like he did and have one set of clothes and nowhere to live. It means in my everyday, ordinary life, as it is in my culture where I live, that I follow Jesus wholeheartedly. I let him live through me. I let him live out his love and compassion through me. Fortunately, he's given me everything I need to do that himself. He lives within. And here's the hard thing. We can't do this by ourselves. We can't. Unless we live in grace, that is being receptive to the Spirit of God, to the Kingdom of God. And unless we keep on choosing to love God, and to love others, we can't. Through grace and his mercy and his love shed abroad in our hearts, we can walk day by day with him, immersed in his story, having that vision of treasure on earth, in our heart, in the life to come. We are loved. We are called God's beloved. We respond in love to our God. We lean into ourselves and live from the inside out. We know that we are valued. We know that we are precious. We know that we are worthy. And then we can allow God's love to help us love one another, to do the right thing, to do to others as they would have due to us. I can't live this life without Jesus. And the truth is, I can't even live it without you. We need each other to do this journey.
We need each other, not only to sit 20 minutes in the care chair, to be immersed in the story of God, but we need each other in fellowship. We need each other in connect groups. We need each other in prayer. We need each other for accountability. We need each other to learn to love and to serve in our community. Let me pray for you. Teach us, Lord, what it means to seek first your kingdom and your righteousness. Help us to take a good look at where our life's energies, where our pursuit is, where our addictions are, to see whether we really are seeking first your kingdom, whether we know how to worship that one true God and only to have one God in our lives. Teach us, Lord, to describe that vision. Help us, Lord, to be totally immersed in your story, day by day, week by week, moment by moment, year by year, to be faithfully following, entering your story with faith, with repentance, with forgiveness. And Lord, may we see you at work in our lives as we love you and love our neighbours. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.